Mark chapter 9, verse 43. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. That's a strong statement. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halts into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where there where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Lord, help us today. Help us to open our heart to the holy word of God. God, to your word that you have planned and came to speak into our lives. God, and we just ask you, Lord, for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. God, help us today, Lord, to hear your word. And to receive it. And let thy will be done in Jesus' name. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. While you're seated. It's also a special honor to have two of Brother McGill's sisters with us today. Miss Liz and Miss Lillian. Appreciate you for being here. What a special treat this is. Thank you, Brother Miller. It's so good to have family in church with us, isn't it? Amen. You know, there's a lot of things in life that matter. I've heard people, and I've been there myself as a youngster, that said, somebody try to tell you something, oh, it don't matter. But as you get older, you find that there are some things that really matter. Praise God. It matters who you marry. Hello? It matters. It matters whether we get an education or not. High school diploma, and there's some that didn't, it's done well in life. But it matters. It makes an impact on our life. It matters whether we work or not. It matters at the end of the week when there's a paycheck or not a paycheck. It matters whether we're able to buy groceries and pay bills or not. So there's, I'm not going to stay there a long time, but there are some things in life that matters more than other things matter. Some things it's okay. We're going to be cool with or without. It doesn't matter if you like Dr. Pepper or you like Coke. It's fine. It doesn't matter if you like uh, Maxwell House or Folgers. I've learned to not even drink either one of them. I'm okay. I'm now on a Seattle's best kick. And so there are things in life that just don't really matter. I, I thought Maxwell House mattered. Y'all know I drank Maxwell House for years. And I got to, I got adventurous. And I got me a grinder that would grind my coffee. And I'd buy, I, I kept trying to find some kind of ground coffee that tasted good. And I couldn't find it. And I spent 
probably $50 trying to find good ground coffee, the kind that you grind. Finally, I found some at Sam's, Columbia Supreme, with a chocolate note, and it was good. But then I would buy these others, and it was a little more expensive. So I found Seattle's Best, and it was good. And I said, you know what? That other coffee don't matter. My grand, I mean, my father-in-law chewed brown mule tobacco for years. Plug tobacco. Well, it mattered to him. He chewed a specific brand. Well, then he went to the payday one day. That's the name of the little store there in Prentice, Mississippi. And he went in and he bought his case of plug brown mule tobacco. He just got in from offshore and he went to the counter and it had gone up like two bucks a carton. And you'd have to know my father-in-law. He was a tightwad. And so he came home and he set that case carton of brown mule tobacco on the cabinet and he didn't open it. And the longer he sat there, the madder he got about it going up $2. There's no sense in it going up $2. So after a few hours of fueling over the $2 increase of his favorite plug tobacco that mattered, he got it, got back in his truck, drove back up to the payday, laid it on the counter, and they knew him well. They said, what's wrong, Mr. Sam? He said, give me a big old paper bag. They gave him a big old paper bag. He walked back to the candy aisle, and he filled it full of double bubble bubble gum. Until the day he died, that's all he chewed was double bubble bubble gum. And my kids loved the transition he took in his life because there was always plenty of bubble gum at Papa's house. See, he thought that brown mule mattered. But when the price went up, it didn't really matter. Bubble gum done just as good, and it was a whole lot better for him. Amen? So we, we've learned that some things that we thought mattered really don't matter that much. But then as we get older, we begin to realize that some things we didn't give the consideration that we should have now suddenly it comes to the forefront of our attention and it becomes a subject that really matters in life. You know, when I was 30, retirement didn't matter. I didn't think. Saving up for retirement at 35 wasn't a big deal. But when I became 50, I thought, I'm running out of time. Retirement matters and so I've got catch-up to do if there's anything to catch up with. Hello? So if you haven't started over retirement, it's going to start mattering when you get gray hairs and time goes on. But there's another thing that in our young life that we don't give consideration to. It, it matters, but we haven't placed it at the priority, at the top of our priority. And that's what I come to talk about this morning. It's what matters the most. If you were to ask yourself a question right now, what matters the most in your life? We may have a diversity of answers depending upon your age and your family makeup and where you're at in life. But in reality, every one of us are looking at one single thing that really matters the most. And that one thing is 
eternity. So I want to preach to us today that eternity matters the most. Would you clap your hands to the Lord? Some people don't give eternity a lot of thought until a diagnosis comes, until a tragedy happens, and they begin to think about what's going to happen next. What if I don't make it? What if I don't survive? And then all of a sudden, eternity became the number one most important factor in their life. It's more important than their job. It's more important than that boat out in the yard. It's more important than their upcoming vacation or whatever because eternity, when we begin to think about, we're looking at it and it's not that far away that we realize, you know what? Eternity is going to last forever because the word eternity means time without end. We can't wrap our mind around that because everything that we understand has a beginning and an ending. It's beyond us. It's infinite. And so is eternity. There is no ending. There is no limits to it. It never stops. It goes on and on and on. Well, I've suffered some pain in this old world from time to time. I've got burned a few times. I've gone through some hard times, and so have you. But thank God the pain ended. Thank God there was a window at the end of the tunnel that you could see it was coming to a closure. But can I submit to us today, that's not the case with eternity. We've got one shot. We've got a lifetime, however how long that we live. But in reality, we got one shot for this thing. And we only get two options. And that is heaven or hell. And nobody wants to go to hell. And everybody wants to go to heaven. Hello? But our want to is not good enough. Our desire to go to heaven and miss hell will not get the job done alone. But it's our life. The choices that we make. The steps that we have taken. And it all starts at Calvary. Oh, hallelujah. Because we can't save ourselves. Regardless of how much we want to spend eternity in heaven, we are not good enough to be saved. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot live a good enough life to be saved. We were born sinners in need of a Savior. And so we have to come to Him. And the starting point is, is coming to repentance and baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost and become a new creature in Christ Jesus. That is called being born again. And we have to be born again or we cannot enter the kingdom of God. And that's where eternity, the road to eternity begins far as the road to heaven begins, rather. Clap your hands to the Lord. As most of us have done in times past, is we know it's there, just like we know getting old is there. Huh? Just like we know needing to lose weight is there. But we have this human flaw called someday. 
one day, but not today. Hello? I'm overweight because of that flaw. Hello? And sometimes our finances are in the trouble they are because of that flaw. But many people are not ready to meet God today because of that flaw. In Acts chapter 24 and verse 15, when Paul was reaching for Agrippa, and he was reaching for his soul because of eternity's sake. You see, we're not trying to put religion on anybody. We're not trying to throw our denomination or our experience or our faith down anybody's throat. The, the motive of our evangelism and the motive of our trying to reach the lost is for one purpose. Is that because eternity is waiting upon everybody and we have been delivered, we have been saved and we've got to stay that way. Hello, somebody. And we've got to live for God. But while we're there, we've got to be reaching for that eternal soul that is not ready to meet God yet because the most important thing you and I ever do is be right with God and reach for those that are lost oh praise God the Bible says the preaching of the cross to them that are lost is foolishness but to them that are saved it is the power of God watch people get their eyes and their minds wrapped around what Calvary was all about the reason that Jesus Christ came and lived and died on a rugged cross and gave his life and his blood and he resurrected a third day. The reason all that happened was because that there is a lost humanity. He came to save the lost. Hebrews 9 and 27 says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this is, the problem. If it was just dying and that's the end of it, I'd still want to live for God. This is the best life I've ever had. Hello? But it don't end at death. It only transitions. Because a soul is a living soul that when this body deceases, and no longer exists, this body turns back to the dust from which it came. But this spirit returns to God whom gave it. Hello, somebody. And so this spirit, if it ended at death, that would be one thing, but this spirit don't ever die. This spirit is an eternal spirit. It's either going to spend eternity in one or two destinations. And I thank God that it got my attention at 29 years of age when I was far from God. Aren't you thankful he reached to where you were at? Aren't you thankful today that his mercy reached to where you're at? His love extended and the blood was applicable to our lives that he washes us, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Without, we would have no hope and we will be damned to a devil's hell. Oh, praise God. Everybody say eternity. Revelation 20, 11 through 15 says, And I saw a great white throne. You know, in reality, folks, the great white throne of judgment is a reality. It's going to happen. 
whether a person believes it or not, it's going to happen. From whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. The 66 books of the Word of God. And another book was open, which is the book of life. We got to get in that book. We can get in that book. And because of Calvary, we have entranceway to Jesus Christ. And we can have our names recorded in that book of life. Once we're born again of the water and of the Spirit. Hello, somebody. Once we're born again of the water and of the Spirit, we are recorded in the Lamb's book of life. It's the only way to get there. There's no way we can enter that book any other way but to be born again. Because that is how we enter the kingdom of God. Aren't you glad you're there? I don't want to take it for granted. That's, that's the most treasured thing in my life is that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. We're not worthy of it. We, we don't deserve it by any measure. For we have all have fallen and come short. We are all like sinners and we have gone astray. But thank God for His mercy. So if you've gone astray today, don't, don't feel like it's over and that you're hell bound. If you've walked away from God this morning, don't feel like you're hell bound. But there's hope. Just turn around and get heaven bound. If you feel like you're hell bound, turn around and repent of our sins. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins and receive the Holy Ghost and be born again a new creature in Christ Jesus all things are passed away and behold all things become new but if you're heaven bound don't turn around hello don't, don't turn around if you're heaven bound stay with it eternity is too long and the sea gave up the dead which were in the death hell delivered up into the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Well, the greatest tragedy, the greatest tragedy that would ever happen in mine and your life is that our name was not found in the book of life. I, I, I've said it in this, you know, just in passing uh, when I was in the world before I got the Holy Ghost. I've heard people say it, and they'll tell somebody, I'll go to. I mean, whoa, 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 stop right there. Do you realize what you're saying? We don't want anybody to go to hell. We don't want anybody in this world not to have their name written in this book of life because we want everybody to go to heaven. But not everybody's going to go to heaven because some are going to put it off. Some are going to put other things in front of it. But everybody can go to heaven. Hello? Everybody can go to heaven. And we've got to keep praying and we've got to keep reaching. Let's go a little further. Matthew chapter 19, verse 21 through 22, real quickly. I want to share some sad stories with you for a moment. Then there's some good stories. 
He is called the rich young ruler. And he was a wise man to a degree. He, he understood about salvation to a degree. He knew there was a need for salvation. And he came to the one who could give him the, the right answer. And he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Even he knew he had to do something. And the Lord told him. He said, obey the commandments. He said, well, I'm a good dude. I've done this from a youth up. Well, if all you got to believe to be saved, then this dude believed. But he wasn't saved. He came looking for the answer. He didn't even claim to be saved. He said, I, I've done this from a youth up. What lacketh I yet? He knew something was missing. He knew that believing wasn't going to get him there. And so he came asking, what must, what, what, what's lacking in my life? You know, that's a question we all need to ask God. That's what every denomination, every religion in this world needs to ask. Is there anything missing? Is there something I've not experienced yet? Is there, if, have I really been born again? Throw religion out the window. It's not going to get us anywhere. Throw the sign out by the road in the, down, down the tube. It's not going to get us anywhere. But what's going to get us is if our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Oh, praise God. And so he said, what lackest I yet? He said, go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor. Somebody look through your Bible right quick. We don't see that in the plan of salvation, do we? Huh? I don't see that. I see repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. I see that, but I don't see that. So what are you talking about, Lord? I mean, he's probably scratching his head. What's that got to do with it? No, but he knew. Jesus has a way of just zeroing in on the thing that is standing in the way. He zeroed in on the one thing that this man was allowing to stand in the way of surrendering everything to him. And, and the Lord made it clear, I, I don't want it. He said, go give it to the poor. And you know what the young man did? Listen to what he did. He walked away. Oh. How many people have walked away because it was going to require something they weren't really ready to give up? He walked away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He had placed his most important treasure as possessions and he missed the most important of all and that is eternity. He walked away sorrowful. Somebody say it with me. God, whatever you got to do, don't let me be lost. Don't let me walk away from you for anything on this earth. Lord, help us to be willing to forfeit everything we do, everything that we own. You see, the Lord wasn't wanting his money. He just saw that this was more important to the man than God was. He saw this is where he put his energy, all of his time and his attention. He knew that this was this man's treasure. How tragedy. How tragic is it that this man would walk away from eternity 
walk away from heaven, if you will, because of what he possessed on the earth. That makes no sense. But yet people still do it all the time. It doesn't have to be money. It doesn't have to be wealth. It could be habit. It could be lifestyle. It could be preference. It could be many things. But every day people walk away from an opportunity to get their heart right with God. You see, every time we meet on a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, or a Wednesday night, there are people who come encounter with God and God reaches for them and God speaks into their heart like he's doing this morning and he's knocking on their door and he's whispering in their ear, come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. He said, come on, let's get it right. Let's make things right. Eternity's right down the road. It's sooner than when we believe. Come on, somebody. But every service, somebody walks away. Not now, like Agrippa. Acts 24 and 15. He said, One day, but I'll call for you. I'll call for you. He said, when I have a more convenient season. Why does this get in us? When this happens, then I'm going to live for God. When I get married, then I'm going to live for God. When I get these wild oats out of my system, then I'm going to live for God. Come on. We don't have a promise of tomorrow. And look, we're living today. Why not just say, you know what? God, there's not anything in this world that's more important than you are. There's nothing more important than me getting my soul to heaven. I've got to miss hell no matter what it costs me. I've got to stay away from hell no matter what I've got to do. It don't matter what i got to give up here on earth. It doesn't matter what i got to do here on earth. i just got to avoid hell at all costs. The old preacher said, I heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Well, it's because of this place called eternity. Got to hurry. There's a rich farmer who he did well in life. He did extremely good. So he decided to retire. Not, not a problem with that. We all need to do that. Prepare for that day. And he did well. But then when it came down to it, he's in his final year, most likely or so, and he says, I'm going to tear down these barns. I'm going to build new barns and bigger barns. I'm going to grow one more season or two, and, and then I'm going to fill all this up, and then I'm going to retire. He said to his soul, take thy ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. None of those had anything to do with his soul. And the Lord spoke suddenly and said, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who's all this going to belong to anyway? You know, I've got quite a bit more to preach, but I'm not going to do it. I want you to stand. There was a rich man who fares sumptuously every day according to Luke chapter 16. He arrayed himself in purple and fine linen. He lived in a palace. He had all the money. He had all the things money could buy. He 
I mean, he had it made on earth. The dude had it made. I don't know if he considered himself a Bill Gates or, you know, a Warren Buffett or what. But he had it made. In the eyes of earthly considerations. But this man had another man on his doorstep sleeping every single night. This man wouldn't go away. He showed up all the time. And this man was a beggar. He had nothing. That's why he slept on the doorsteps of a rich man. It's a good place to go if you need something. And he had sores all over his body. And the dogs would come along and lick his sores. How degrading. How humiliating it must have been. But he kept going back. What a contrast of two worlds. Inside the home was a wealthy man and living in a palace. The best that life can offer. And an old beggar laying on old stone steps full of sores. The only attention he could draw was dogs coming by to lick his sores. I don't know what everybody in the house thought. I don't know what the rich man thought. I kind of have an idea. I don't know what the community in the neighborhood thought. I don't know what the beggar thought. But there came a time on the calendar that something flipped overnight. You see, that rich man that had everything that money could buy, had the perfect ease life, and that old beggar that had it such a hard time, something I mean, their life was as far as the east is from the west. But something flipped. Because death came calling. And they both died the very same night. It's right there in the Bible. They both died the same night. And they were again as far as the east is from the west. But now it's the beggar. Who's got it made? No more pain. No more sorrow. No more sores. No more begging. But it's that rich man's begging now. That rich man's begging now. Because he woke up in hell. Being in torment. And he said, send Lazarus. He's begging now. He's begging for the very man that begged from him. He's begging. He said, send Lazarus that he may take just the tip of his finger and dip it in water. Cool my tongue. Just a second of relief. He was in torments. That's very descriptive of his condition. And of course, Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom. He can't see the rich man. There's a great gulf fixed between the two. 
Abraham said, I'm sorry. There's a great guff fix. I can't help you out because your life chose your destiny. Your choices chose this eternity. There's no way I can interfere. There's no way I can send reprieve or hell. There's, there's no way I can do anything to assist you. Even if I wanted to, there's a great gulf that is fixed. It's impossible. There's something very unique happened. This rich man who woke up in hell started thinking about his brothers back home. He knew the way they lived. He knew they weren't ready. He knew they were just only a breath and a heartbeat away from coming to where he had, where he was. Brother Dylan, that man had the compassion and the drive of any apostolic preacher you'll ever meet or more. For he said, hey, send him to my father's house because I've got five brothers that are there. Go tell him to preach to them. Go, go tell him to warn them. Go tell him, tell them to get right. He said, lest they come to this place of torment. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Abraham said, I, I can't. He said, go send them, because if one rose from the dead, they would listen. He said, no. If they won't hear Moses and the prophets referring to the word of God, they will not listen, though one rose from the dead. I feel the Spirit of God here this day. God's come to meet with us about what matters most. He's not coming to push us in a corner, make us feel the pressure. He's coming with His arms outstretched. He's coming with blood-stained hands. He's coming with a resurrected life. He's coming having been the one who, who paid the penalty for our sins that we could be forgiven and that we He gave His life that we may have life and have it more abundantly. He's a God with outstretched arms for you today. We're talking about heaven and hell. We're talking about being ready. You know, there's not anything that can stop anybody from coming to God. Oh, I know the devil will try. But the only thing that can stop us, Brother King, is us ourselves. We're the only thing standing in the way of being where we need to be with God. While every eye is closed and every head is bowed, the Holy Ghost is reaching for people today. Don't walk away. Sure, I plead with you. Don't walk away today. Eternity's too close. Ma'am, don't, don't, don't walk away today. I, I'm pleading with you. Eternity's too close. 
today you've got an opportunity to come and get your name written in the Lamb's book of life. The greatest privilege and the most important thing of all. Backslider, don't delay, but come and return home. To that prodigal that has wavered, that has ran and went into the arms of the world and has suffered shipwreck. The loneliness and the emptiness that's in your heart today. I'm telling you, eternity is just right down the road. Hear this preacher today, turn around. Turn around before it's too late. I don't know how you'll label my message this morning. It doesn't really matter to me. But I feel an unction of the Holy Ghost. And I feel an urgency in my spirit. We've got to get our names in that book of life. We've got to keep things right with God. Eternity is the most important matter in our life. For one day. Revelation 21, 1 through 4 is going to take place. And I want you to be there. You don't have to wake up in hell. Hear this preacher today. You, you, you don't have to wake up in hell. You don't have to. Please don't. And the scripture teaches us. God Himself's going to wipe away the tears. There'll be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more death. It'll be none of that because it'll be passed away. Would you come this morning? Would you join someone by the hand and walk with them to the altar? Would you come and just allow me to pray with you or you pray privately? You can pray privately with you and God. Would you hear the call of the Lord today? I'm talking about eternity. I'm talking about eternity. It's closer than we think. I'll never forget the night. Never will forget it. April the 28th. Four o'clock in the evening, I believe it was. My wife was laying on her deathbed. But Bobby, she looked at me and she said, the angels. Well, she told me this that morning. The angels are coming today. I said, do what, baby? She said, the angels are coming today. And at 4 o'clock that evening, Sister Sheila, she pointed toward the foot of the bed. She said, he's here. He's come to go with me. I had to run, take care of some business, and Bradley was sitting with her while I was gone. And at 7 o'clock that night, she looked at Bradley and she said, can you see him? He's here to go with me where I don't have to go alone at 1248 
on a Sunday morning, those angels stayed in my home. They didn't leave. At 12.48 on that Sunday morning, May the 3rd, those, that angel escorted her into the Abraham's bosom. I'm telling you, death is coming for us all. But I want an angel to come get me. Don't you? You want an angel to come get you. You want to wake up in Abraham's bosom. You don't want to wake up in torment. You don't want to wake up in hell where there's torments. And you don't have to right here today. This is why we're here. This is what this service is all about. That's what the blood of Jesus is about. That's why he gave his life at Calvary. This is why it's all done is that you and I can be saved. And we don't have to go to hell. We can go to heaven. What a choice. What an opportunity. Would you make that step? I'd really like to ask. I don't do it this often, but would you just close your eyes? And and if you're here and God's talking to you and you just want me to pray for you, I don't even have to come to where you're at. Just say, Brother Roberts, please be praying for me. I don't want to go to hell. While nobody's looking around, would you just slip a hand up? 